0: All right, according to the latest data from the Center of the Study of the Global Christianity, there are nearly 8 billion people in the world today, and 28% of them have never heard the gospel. There are more than 2.5 billion Christians, altogether, this is counting everyone who names the name of Christ, Catholic, Orthodox, Protestant, everyone, and a little more than... 0.01% of all the Christians serve as missionaries. I read an article this week called U.S. Missionary Sending in Decline. It said, Baptists must turn back to God and join him on missions soon, or their churches will continue to decline or die, one missionary leader said. That was a stark message presented by a man who once served as a Southern Baptist missionary in Chile, to hundreds who attended a three-day missions conference last year. He said churches in the United States of America have been declining in missionary sending capacity for the past 20 years. The U.S. is now number three, third place among missionary sending nations. Even during the Great Depression, when unemployment stood at 35%, American churches gave proportionately three times to the national missions as churches give today. During those earlier hard times, <clears throat> excuse me, the speaker added, churches would forego buying coal to heat their buildings, <clears throat> so that the money could, <clears throat> excuse me, could instead go to uh, missionaries, keep them on the field. Most U.S. Uh, churches are so turned inward, they have forgotten the need to sacrificially support missions. But the Lord gives us the answer to that. Here in Matthew chapter 9, we'll again in verse 37, please. Matthew chapter 9, verse 37, And Jesus say it, said unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. Pray, therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth labors, and the harvest Today, I'd like to give you three things from this passage of Scripture. We're going to see the surplus, the shortage, and the solution we have here. And by the way, we're going to be turning to several Scriptures today. So I hope your fingers are limber. I hope you have a Bible with you. Generally, I have the verses on the screen, but I want you to turn with me this morning. So I'll be turning to several. I'll give you the page numbers for them. But notice here the surplus. The surplus in verse 37 Jesus begins, he says, the harvest truly is what? Plenteous. The harvest refers to those without Christ, the unsaved, those who never trusted Christ as Savior. And the Bible says, among those who are not saved, there's plenty of them out there that need to be reached. The harvest truly is plenteous. Now, if you would, please hold your finger right here. Go to Matthew 7, please. Matthew 7. In verse 13, he gives a comparison between those that are saved and those that are lost. Matthew 7, verse 13, it says, Entering ye at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And notice here, And many there be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate, and narrows the way that leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Notice the contrast. There's a way to destruction and a way to life. And Jesus said the way to destruction, many people are going that way. But the way to eternal life, few go that way. Most people on this earth, people we see every day, are not going to heaven. The number of lost people, as the Bible says, truly is plenteous number two number two we saw the surplus now look at the shortage the shortage verse 37 again the harvest truly is plenteous but the labors are what few now I put beside that why why are the labors few what answer would you give why are there more people out there willing to go to tell people how to go to heaven why are the labors few? I'm going to give you three of them, all found in Scripture, or at least addressed in Scripture. Three reasons why the labors are few, and as we cover these, maybe think of yourself if any of these may apply to yourself. Number one, a letter A, is passiveness. Passiveness. Basically, it means indifference, apathy, or lack of concern. So many people that are saved today really have lost any concern about other people going to heaven. Interesting. And in a website, Bible.org, on evangelism statistics, it said this, 95% of all Christians have never won one person to Jesus Christ. 80% of all Christians do not consistently witness to Christ, for Christ. Less than 2% are involved in ministry of evangelism, <clears throat> And 771% do not give toward the financing of the Great Commission. I wonder if it's because of lack of concern, lack of care. Passiveness is one reason why the laborers are few. Let me give you some people that were not passive, people that did care. I'll we'll give you three of them. The first one, number one, of course, is Jesus Christ. How many are grateful that he did care? In verse 36, if we go back now to uh, Matthew chapter 9. In verse 36, this verse I find convicting in my own heart. How about when he, <clears throat> Christ, saw the multitudes, he was what? Moved with compassion. How about you? I prefer to be in smaller crowds or by myself. And when I see a great multitude of people, I'm moved to get out of there. <laughs> But the Lord was moved with compassion. He had a concern, a care that they needed a savior. How about you? When you see a bunch of people, are you moved? Are you stirred? There was a great evangelist called C.T. Studd. Basically, every time he walked, every step he took, he said, heaven, hell, heaven, hell, heaven, hell. Where are these people going when they die? Heaven or hell? They need to know. But how many of us, when we look at someone out in the community, ask ourselves that question? Are they going to heaven or hell? Do they need Christ as Savior? And so Jesus Christ was moved with compassion. Let me show you another person that was not passive the Apostle Paul. If you would please keep your finger in Matthew, now go to Romans, please. Romans chapter 10, page 1593, if you're using a church Bible. Romans 10, please. Here it tells us the Apostle Paul had a tremendous burden for his people, the Jews, that they might come to know Christ as their Savior. In Romans 10, you got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, so you know you're getting close. Romans 10, look in verse 1, please. He says, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel that they might be what? He had a heart's desire and prayed that people of Israel, his Jewish brethren, might be saved. Now, back up in chapter 9, please. How much did he care? Chapter 9, verse 1. Romans 9, verse 1. Paul said, I say the truth in Christ. I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. Verse 2, that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart for I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. You know, this verse is saying, Paul had such a burden for his fellow Jews. He would say, I'm willing to be accursed, and the word there is anathema, which means damned to hell if my brethren will be saved. Wow. How many of you would be willing to go to hell for someone to get to be saved? Most of it, by the way, that would never happen. <laughs> you don't have to worry about it. But Paul had that such a burden. I'm willing to be a curse for Christ if my brethren could be saved. What a burden, what a passion, what a compassion. Most of us are not willing to go across the street to tell someone how to go to heaven unless I'm going to hell for them. But Paul was willing to do that. Let me give you another one from the Old Testament. Go now to the book of Exodus, Moses. Moses had a tremendous compassion for his people. Page 138, Exodus, Genesis, Exodus, the second book of your Bible. Chapter 32, please. Exodus 32. Exodus 32, verse 31. Look what it says here. Now, by the way, the context here, Moses had, was on the Mount Sinai. He received the Ten Commandments. He come down from the mountain, and he found his people worshiping idol. And notice what it said here in verse 31. And Moses returned unto the Lord and said, Oh, this people have sinned a great sin, and have made them gods of gold. Verse 32. Yet now, if thou wilt forgive their sin, and if not, block me, I pray thee, out of thy book which thou hast written. And the Lord said unto Moses, Whosoever has sinned against me, him will I blot out of my book. The book here, I believe, is the Lamb's book of life. What Moses was saying, Lord, forgive your people, but if you won't forgive them, blot my name out of the book of life. He was saying the same thing Moses said. I'm willing to go to hell if you, uh, just so you might forgive them. Uh, do you have that much care for people? And of course, we never have to worry about that. Because when God promised eternal life, that, that is settled. You don't have to worry about going to hell for any reason. But these people, Moses and Paul, said, I'm willing to be cut off from Christ, a curse from Christ, if my people could be saved. And again, we need to ask ourselves, do we, do we care? Or are we very passive towards the unsaved? We're talking about why there's a shortage of laborers. Number one, passiveness. Number two, another P is priorities priorities, I say other or higher priorities, something else is more important to you than a person without Christ, and this is addressing, go down to John chapter 4, please, John chapter 4, and you say, Pastor, I just found Exodus, (laughs) and now you turn to the other side of the Bible, but John 4, page 1490, again, these are verses I want you to see for yourself how the Lord addresses these issues. Why the labors are few. The wrong priorities. So many Christians have priorities, but people being saved is not in that list, or at least at the bottom of the list. John chapter 4, verse 31. Now, the context here is Jesus left Judea and was going to Galilee, and generally the Jews, and the straight path was through Samaria. And the Jews, because of their hatred for the Samaritans, would go way around to avoid going through Samaria to get to the place they're going to. The Samaritans were half-breeds; they were half Jew and half Gentile. They were hated by the Jews. They hated by the Gentiles. They were uh, that way. But the Lord knew there was a woman at a well who needed Christ. And so he said, the Bible said, he must needs go to Samaria. And he went there. As he went to the well, his disciples went, kept, continued to walk, went to the city to buy food because they had shorter food, needed a meal that day. And the Lord, you know the story, the Lord led that woman to Christ. And, and then she left the well to go back to tell her friends she found the Messiah. And all of a sudden, we see there in verse 31, chapter 4, verse 31, In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that you know not of. Therefore said the disciples one to another, hath any man brought him aught to eat? Jesus saith unto them, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. This does not mean that Jesus had no need of physical food, but rather that his great passion and desire was to do God's will. His priority was spiritual over the material. It is the Father's work that must be done. While the apostles were looking at food, Jesus was looking at souls. And many of us have high priorities. We have a lot of list of things. But where are lost people on your list of priorities? Where, of all the things you're important to you, where, where are they on that list? If they are on the list. Those apathetic, they're not even on the list. But so many of us, they're on the list. I do care, but I have other things more important to me right now that I want to accomplish. I'm so glad there was not other things more important to our Savior when he decided to come to this earth than you and I. The third reason why the labor is a few. The first one, of course, was passiveness, then priorities, and next, procrastination. Procrastination. So many people say, Pastor, I'm planning on it. I'm planning to go to my neighbor to tell him about Christ. I'm planning to give some my money to missions. I'm planning on it, but not now. In verse 35 of chapter 4, the Lord addressed this. John 4, 35. He says, Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they white are white, all ready to harvest. The word white means the overwhite ripe. Basically, farmers had a period of waiting between the sowing and the reaping of their crop, four months more th- than the harvest is probably a pro- local proverb. But in the spiritual realm, there is no wait. Jesus said, "Now is the day of opportunity. Now is the day of salvation. All that is needed is someone to have a spiritual vision." And compassion. So when you plant a seed for a flower or a crop, we have to wait a while before it comes up. But that is not true spiritually. When should we go to win the loss? Now. Right now. I want to encourage you, if God lays a person on your heart, to witness them, don't put it off. Because maybe the Lord knows that person might pass. That person might, something happen to them. But go tell them. Jesus said in John 9 verse 4, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. the night cometh where no man can work. So a time is coming maybe you cannot ever share. But those three things is passiveness, priorities, and lastly procrastination, are three reasons why the labors are few. Number three. Number three, we saw the surplus. The, labor, the harvest is plenteous. We saw the shortage. The uh, harvest is plenty, but labor is a few. Now the solution. The Lord gives us a solution to the problem. In verse 38, he says, Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into the harvest. That is our theme for this month. Pray ye therefore. So basically, the solution to the problem is for God's people to what? to pray there was a missionary a scottish missionary to nigeria her name was mary slesser born 19, 1848 passed away in 1915 she said this prayer is the greatest power god has put in our hands for service praying is harder than doing at least i find so but the dy- dynamic lies that way to advance the kingdom So where should we pray about? First of all, when he says pray, let's pray. Pray that Lord will send forth labors. That's the need. That's the shortage. There's people that need to go tell other people how to go to heaven. And I think, of course, the Lord tells his disciple, tells us to pray. Go me now to Romans chapter 10, please. Romans 10, page 1593. Now, generally, I have the verses on the screen, but I want you to see them for yourself. And maybe you might be moved to underline them, highlight them in your Bible. Romans chapter 10. The solution to the problem of the shortage of missionaries is to pray, to pray. Romans 10, verse 13, please. Romans 10, 13. Pray the Lord will send forth labor. Send people to go and tell others how to be saved. In Romans ten, verse thirteen, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on Him, in whom they have not heard, have not believed? How shall they believe in Him whom they have not heard, and how shall they hear without a preacher? That means a proclaimer, someone to share the gospel. And how shall they preach except they be what sent? And he goes on to say. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. You know, generally speaking, probably the most unattractive part of our body is our feet. (laughs) You know, many people spend a lot of money on getting their feet and making the toenails look nice. Nothing wrong with that. But you want your feet to look beautiful in God's sight? Lead people to Christ. How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel. God says the person that goes and shares the gospel, they have beautiful feet from God's perspective. Listen carefully, please. A church should not be measured by a seating capacity, but a sending capacity. A church should not be measured by seating capacity, but a sending capacity. So many churches tell you how many people they can hold, how many people they have. But how many people are they sending into the, into the fields to preach the gospel. So pray, pray for the Lord to send forth laborers. Next, pray for compassion. Pray for compassion. Can I be honest with you? Sometimes I find that I lack compassion. Sometimes I lack the concern that I should have to lead people to Christ. Remember, when Christ saw the multitude, he was what? He was moved. Moved to compassion to do something about it. Now go with me if you would, Please. So Psalms 126. Psalm 126, page 917. Oh, don't raise your hand, but how many of you would be honest to say, Pastor, I, I lack compassion. I, I lack the concern for the lost. I find that I get so caught up in the business of life, the responsibilities I have, my family, and work, and other things, I literally forget about people that are dying and going to hell. Don't raise your hand, but I believe that would probably fit many of us if we were honest. So pray for the Lord to send forth laborers, but pray for compassion. That God would give us a burden for soul, that when we see the multitude, we might be moved with compassion. Look what it says here in Psalm 126, verse 5. Psalm 126, verse 5, page 917. It says, they that sow in what? Tears shall reap in, in joy. Verse 6. He that goeth forth and what? Weepeth, bearing precious seeds, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheens with him. Question. When's the last time you wept over somebody without Christ? When's the last time your eyes become wet because you knew a loved one is not saved? Many of us can never say it all. But notice here, compassion the tears and weeping. In both cases, what was the motivation for sowing or for going? compassion, tears, and weepeth. And those who weep. Oh, that God might burden our hearts. God might break our hearts about those without Christ. And I believe it should begin with your own family. Many of you have loved ones, maybe family member, maybe a spouse that's not saved. When's the last time you wept over them coming to Christ? When's the last time you showed true compassion and told them, my friend, we need compassion? Jude 1.22, it said, and of some have compassion making a difference. Compassion makes a big difference. Next thing to pray about. Pray the Lord will send forth labors. Pray for compassion. And lastly, to wrap it up, pray about what God would have you do. Pray about what God would have you to do. By the way, what can you do? That's a good question, isn't it? First of all, right along what we're saying here, pray for more people to go and reach the lost. <laughs> that, that, pray for more people. In other words, I encourage you. I'm sure many of you have prayer lists or things you pray about on a regular basis. Maybe it's a list or a mental list you have. Maybe something you have in a, a notebook that you pray about your family, things in your life like that. My friend, why not put lost souls in there? Why not put on there people going to tell others about Christ? That's the solution the Lord gave. Here's some quotes from two missionaries about praying. One missionary said this, prayer is many times the last resort or the least respected method of getting involved in reaching the world with the gospel. Many people say, sorry, All I I can do is pray, as if it's a breadcrumb we can throw towards the cause of missions. But how wrong we are. Jesus told us to begin our efforts by praying. When we pray, we get involved. Prayer, a last resort, no way. Start with prayer. Another missionary said this, When God's people pray, doors are open, the devil is crippled, men are saved, God's power is unleashed. The power of prayer is not natural. It is supernatural. We need what only God can do, and that is made possible through prayer. So, my friend, what can you do? Pray. Pray. Number two, give financially so others can go. Give financially so others can go. There are many people that are called to go. For example, the missionary we had today, he wants to go, and he needs finances go. Here is a website I saw, It said, when did evangelicals stop caring about missions? And it says, cold, hard facts. The total number, excuse me, the total amount of income of Christians in the world is $53 trillion. The amount of Christians spend today on global missions is slightly more than 0.09% of our income. Bringing the numbers closer to home The study shows that Americans spend as much on Christmas as we spend on Christian ministries. We spend as much on dieting programs as we spend on foreign missions. And we spend more on our pets than we spend on evangelizing the lost with the gospel of Christ. My friend, where's your priorities? The last Sunday of this month we do every year is our Faith Promise Sunday. And that's why we, as a church, determine how much we want to give towards missions So I encourage you to pray, pray that God will send forth laborers, but pray about what part God would have you to have. There are so many people that have been called that want to go, but need the finances to go. And so I encourage you to pray about what part God would have you to have and enable them to go. So what can we do? We can pray for more people to go and reach the lost. We can give financially so others can go. And lastly, we can obey God's command by going yourself. You can obey God's command by going yourself. Go with me now, please, to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. This verse and one more and will be done this morning. Mark 5, page 1401. I remember seeing a... Uh, it was a billboard and it, it basically it said, what part of no do you not understand? As Christians... We should say, what part of go do you not understand? What's the Great Commission? Go ye in all the world and preach the gospel. But so many of us don't go. We don't even go across the street to reach our neighbors. Go. So obey. When, what can you do? Obey God's command by going. So look in Mark chapter 5. I love this verse. Mark 5 verse 18. Mark 5 verse 18. And when he was come into a ship... He that was possessed with a devil prayed him that he might be with him. Basically, the Lord just cast out demons out of this man, and the man was on the same ship. Verse 19, Mark 5, 19. Howbeit Jesus suffered him. Let me back up a minute. The latter part of verse uh, 18. He that had been possessed with a devil prayed him that he might be with him. This man wanted to be with Jesus. He wanted to spend time with the one who just healed him cast out the demon, and saved him. By the way, that's natural. How many of enjoy being with the Lord? That's our natural response. But verse 19, look what Christ said. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends, and tell them how great things the Lord hath done unto thee, and hath compassion on thee. And he departed, and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him, and all men did marvel. In other words, so many of us enjoy going to church. We enjoy Bible study. We enjoy fellowship around the God's word. We enjoy spending time in God's word. We want to be with the Lord. But the Lord might say, listen, I need for you to go to your loved one. Go to your friends. Go to your family and tell them what Christ has done for you. And so many of us have not. Isaiah 6, verse 8. Many of you know the verse. I'll just quote it. We saw. I quoted Mark 16, 15. He said to them, go ye in all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. But Isaiah 6, verse 8, Isaiah said, I heard a voice uh, of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? And who will go for us? What did Isaiah say? (laughs) Here am I. Send me. I encourage you as we focus on missions this month. If God begins to stir your heart about this idea of leading people for Christ, why not ask the Lord, "Lord, here I am. I don't know what, where, anything about it. But, Lord, I, I want to have part in that. What would you have me do? Lord, say, whom shall I send? Why not say, here am I? Send me. Now, he may keep you right where you're at, to reach your neighbors, to reach your family, to reach people at work, or he may call you to go to another state, another country. But I think all of us ought to say, Lord, here am I. What would you have me do? Would you be willing to do that? Go with me now, if you would please. Before any further. Let me there. Dr. Don Sisk, he said, in order for the gospel to be preached to all men, three things are necessary as far as man's part is concerned. Someone must go, many must pray, and many must give. So I, here's a question I asked you. If you were lost, how much would you want a saint person to pray, to give, and to go to reach you with the gospel of Christ? say said again, if you were lost, And you knew some of this truth. How much would you want a person to go, to give, or to pray for you to come to Christ? We'd probably say, no limit. (laughs) No limit. I would do whatever it takes. Let them do. May that be our attitude to reach the loss for Christ. Our last verse, Matthew 7, please. Matthew 7, turn with me, please. A verse I read earlier. Matthew 7, 13, page 1350. Matthew 7. Matthew 7, please. Let's hear about our closing. Here Jesus says, Enter ye at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way, that leaneth to destruction, and many there be that go in thereat, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way, which leaneth unto life, and few there be that find it. This verse speaks of two things. It speaks of two gates, a wide gate, a straight gate. It speaks of two ways, a broad way, a narrow way. It speaks of two destinations, destruction and life. Notice here, most people today are not going to heaven. The broad way, you know what the broad way is? It leads to destruction, the way of good works. The way of Personal behavior that I have to live a certain kind of life, I have to do a certain kind of thing, I have to behave myself, live a standard of righteousness if I want to be saved. That's the Broadway. And every other religion, other than Christianity, teaches the Broadway. They teach you how to go to heaven you have to do this, do this, don't do that. But Christianity doesn't say do, Christianity says done. It's all done by the Savior. Now, so that's the problem. What is the narrow way? Now, let me tell you what the narrow way is. Some people say narrow means hard or difficult. No, it does not. Narrow means one way. Have you met someone narrow-minded? And what does that mean? It's their way and nobody else's way. How many is married to somebody that way? <laughs> well, when it says the narrow way, by the way, Jesus was narrow-minded on how to go to heaven. He said in John 14, 6, He says, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. He did not say, I am another way. He did not say, I am a way. He said with a different article, I am the way. The only way to heaven is through the sacrifice of Christ on the cross of Calvary. And your faith depends upon him as your savior. That's the only way. Maybe you here today and you're trusting other means to get you to heaven. I believe the most subtle, the most one is deceiving is they say it's Christ plus works. It's what Christ did for me plus what I do for him. The twos get me to heaven. My friend, that's another way. But he said, I am the way. The only way to heaven is through what Christ has done for you. He paid the price. He finished the work. And offers to you freely. He said, whosoever will may come and take the waters of life freely. Salvation is a free gift. It costs you nothing. It costs his son everything. He paid the price. All the work required of you to enter God's presence, he finished at the cross. Our part is to believe, to receive, to trust. in what Christ has done for us. Let's bow together, please. As our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, please. This morning I've been speaking to those of you that know Christ. Talking about the shortage of missionaries. But we saw the Lord's solution to that problem. And that was for God's people to what? To pray. To pray. Would you commit yourself to pray? The Lord would send forth labors. Pray for compassion. And then pray about what God would have you to do. I encourage you as a Christian to put those three things on your prayer list this week. But if you're here today and you're not certain you have a home in heaven, you're not certain that you have eternal life, my friend, I want to close the invitation for you. Invitation for you to receive Jesus Christ as your personal savior. My friend, the way to heaven is through him. There is another way, it's called the Broadway. It leads to destruction. The broad way is any other way other than Christ. But the narrow way is Jesus Christ himself. And if you never have before, why not trust in that one, the Lord Jesus Christ, to be your Savior? Trust in him to forgive you and give you eternal life, as he said he would. You say, Pastor, I'd like to know heaven's my home. I'd like to be certain that I'll go to be with the Lord when I die. How, how can I take care of that? Why not right now? Talk to God about it. Right where you're sitting, talk to God and maybe say something like this. Just say, Dear God of heaven, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner and because I've sinned, I've earned, I deserve your punishment. But God, I realize Jesus Christ paid that penalty for me. The punishment I deserve for my sin, Jesus paid for that on the cross. He paid for my sin He died, he was buried, and he rose again. And God realizing I cannot save myself. I'm trusting Christ to save me, forgive me, and to give me eternal life. How again, God, I'm a sinner. I owe a penalty, but I believe Christ paid the penalty for me. And right here today, I want to trust him to be my Savior. His heads are bowed and eyes are closed. My friend, did you pray that prayer? Did you talk to God and get it? Make that, take care of that this morning. If you did, I'd like to include you in the closing prayer. I want to pray for you. I'm not going to put you on the spot to have you forward. I'm not going to uh, embarrass you in any way. i just like to pray for you. So if right here today for the first time you understood the gospel and you prayed to receive Christ as your Savior and allow me to include you in the closing prayer with heads bowed and eyes closed, would you simply raise your hand so I can pray for you? You want it all? Pastor, here's my God bless you. Anyone else? Pastor, here's my hand. I trusted Christ. Would you pray for me? Anyone else real quickly? Pastor, that made sense to me. I also prayed. Would you pray for me too? Anyone else? Real quickly. Dear Father, we're so grateful for the one, and by the case of hand, that understood the gospel and prayed to receive Christ as Savior. They trusted Christ as their Savior. Because of that, according to the Bible, heaven is now their home, that you have given them eternal life. You've forgiven them of their sins, and they have a home in heaven for all eternity. Lord, I pray that they would share that news with others. They'd tell their friends, their loved ones, the same thing they just did, how Christ died to pay for the sins so they can go to heaven. We thank you for this one. Father, as pastor of our church, I pray for this body of believers, Lord, that you might begin to move in the hearts of our people to give us a heart for missions, a heart to pray, a heart to give, and let, Lord, maybe even a heart to go. Lord, lay that on our hearts this month, and we ask in Jesus' name, amen.